Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. Hello, and welcome back to Healthcare Experience Matters. I am your host, Casey Callanan, and today I am joined by Katie Owens. Katie is co-founder and president of the Healthcare Experience Foundation, and today we're going to be discussing the CARES framework. CARES provides a framework of key communication skills and behaviors for delivering excellent patient experiences So Katie, I want to get to know CARES a little bit. I don't have any background information on it. So what is the CARES model and how can it be used to create a more authentic experience between caregivers and patients? So CARES is all about consistent, reliable, excellent communication. It's designed to equip leaders, staff, and physicians with that authentic communication style. It focuses on five key behaviors. I'll run through each one of those. The first is confidence. How do we both project confidence and build up patient and family confidence to participate in their care? The second, anticipating needs. We really look at anticipating emotional, clinical, and safety needs. Third is respectful communication. 93% of how we communicate is through tone of voice and body language. And so we focus on how to both elevate our nonverbal communication and then focus on what we call these high velocity words that are more likely to stick and and convey trust and respect and minimize fear and anxiety. And engaging care and process is about how do we acknowledge that the role of patient is quite honestly very foreign for patients and their family members. They're used to their day-to-day life doing their normal activities And so engaging in care and process is about two-way participation in care. And then closing out with safe transitions or saying thank you to really help the patient and their family transition to key people in the healthcare experience, next steps in the continuum of care, as well as really own that last and lasting impression as our way of driving the memory that that patient was cared for in a, a safe environment with a team that is committed to their their well-being. Katie, you really caught my ear there when you mentioned high-velocity words. I really appreciate the use of language as a writer myself, and I'm really curious about what some examples of high-velocity words are and how you can use them effectively. Yeah, high-velocity words, they're going to take you fast in one direction or another. This is really about the use of specific behaviors, phrases, and body language that will help us succeed in delivering high-quality care while enhancing loyalty. You know, one of the, the pitfalls of the patient experience journey over the last decade or so is the word scripting can evoke some really negative interactions. And so with cares, with high-velocity words, this is about improvisational communication. It serves as a guide. I'll give you some examples. Casey, I'm so glad you chose to come and see us today. We're an excellent team here. When you go above and beyond to just use positive words to narrate your intent and your care, that's a reassurance. We know that 96% of patients have great fear 
about being in the hospital or physician visits. On the flip side, there's some really negative high velocity words. We're short staffed. I don't have time. So-and-so made the mistake. It wasn't me. Those words stick like Velcro in a patient's mind and really undermine what we're trying to do to convey a trusting patient-caregiver relationship. That's very interesting, Katie. And I really am curious about what some advice you may give to folks to keep that in mind. It sounds easy to do, especially maybe in the morning when you're fresh with your first cup of coffee, but as the day wears on and you just get tired, do you have any advice for how you can keep that at the forefront of your mind? Sure. There's a couple things we teach. And and one of those is that the tactics are nothing without the principles. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think we have to remind ourselves that while it might be the 10th patient you have seen that day, you're the first time that they have interacted with the health system, with the physician. You are very special in the minds of patients and their family members. And I think sometimes we undervalue because our work becomes so repetitious and we're used to volume. And and yet for the 10th case of the day, it's the first for that patient and that family. And so we kind of have to remind ourselves and keep that fresh and restore our purpose. And then we have to reset ourselves in between encounters. And we talk about, we'll, we'll do some podcasts I know coming up around daily habits and whether it's the taking the opportunity when you're washing your hands, if you're putting on PPE, just that simple reminder of I am present for that patient. Or when you're reviewing the chart before you're walking into that patient's room saying, how am I going to show up and be my best self for that patient? And I know that might sound to some a little hokey, but at the end of the day, it works. And we have seen it where you can take somebody who's stressed and may see the work as routine and help them reconnect to why they chose healthcare in the first place. That's great stuff. And we know CARES is an acronym, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, I'd just like to go through each step of the framework and ask you to elaborate a little bit. First of all, it starts with confidence. Confidence is the first skill in CARES for some really important reasons. When we meet another person, we have about 15 seconds to make that impression. And the person that we're meeting, whether that's the patient, the family member, you are meeting a new physician that you're working to build referral sources with, in that first 15 seconds, that person is sizing up, can I trust and respect you? And so confidence, let's not be confused with some things. It's not arrogance. It's not always knowing the answer. It's not about projecting uncertainty or hiding our credibility or avoiding being vulnerable. But it is about feeling certain in our credibility that we appreciate our own abilities. And we're going to make that visible because it's how patients feel safe in our care. And then the second part of this, so confidence, first part, projecting our confidence. The second part is it is a huge power dynamic to be the role of the patient. And so patients feel uncertain and not confident speaking up and participating in their care. There is research that shows about 50 to 70% of ICU patients and their family members will not speak up if they have a concern. And so we have to, as part of the, the skills that we teach, 
are use words and phrases and practices that not just own that first impression, but build up patient confidence to participate in their care. Some simple phrases and techniques. I am counting on you to speak up. I need your expertise. I'm really glad you came to see me today. Incorporating that into our vocabulary shows that patient that they are a person and that their voice matters. Now tell us about anticipating needs. Anticipating needs is really about how are we empathetic? How are we taking the moment to reset ourselves and be present, take the perspective of the patient and think about if I were in their shoes, their slippers, their gown, their crutches, uh, the nonstick socks, what are their likely emotional, clinical and safety needs? And that simple practice really activates our listening and it allows us to personalize the patient experience and meet the patient where they're at. And so it involves mentally preparing habits to review and understand the patient's history, taking on their perspective and listening, not just to the words, but to tone of voice and asking some calibrated questions to find out what's important to you today, what's important to how you make your decisions around your care plan. It's moving with the patient. It sets us up for how do do we equip the patient to participate in their care to be more successful adhering to treatment plans and feel stronger in their relationship with us. Now, this next one sounds simple, but maybe not so much. Tell us about the importance of respectful communication. Communication is at the core of every single thing we do in healthcare. Patients don't have the clinical expertise to evaluate quality the same way that that we may see the world. And so they are constantly looking for cues to know that they are safe and they are in good hands. And communication is the cornerstone of how patients evaluate it. And it is at the root of medical errors and negative safety events. So communication matters that we are respectful, not just in our intent, but are we also perceived as being respectful and how we interact with each other and how we interact with our patients. I mentioned this earlier, 93% of how we communicate are nonverbals, tone of voice and body language. And so we focus on skills to really elevate our presence. And then we work with, I mentioned those high velocity words that convey trust and that we eliminate those high velocity words that jeopardize trust. Discuss engaging in care and process. What's that all about? Engaging in care and process really helps us answer how do we empower and engage patients? How do we support them in participating in their care? It really involves narrating care and setting expectations early and often. It honors the challenges that we face with health literacy It integrates the safety skills of teach back and validation. You know, I mentioned scripting earlier. We assume we've communicated and we have shared information one way. And what we know when we look at the adherence literature, when we look at how to avoid readmissions, when we look at negative safety outcomes, making sure that patients and family members understand us is essential. And so this really looks at lifting the curtain to say, How are we hard coding the processes that lead to better patient experiences, safer care, 
And it reduces the burden of I'm doing these tactics to improve my patient experience. I'm doing these tactics to be adherent with our quality requirements. And I'm doing these practices for safety. And it really assimilates all of those skills to support the caregiver at the bedside or in the exam room. Absolutely. So just to recap where we're at here, we've covered confidence We've covered anticipating needs. We've covered respectful communication, engaging care and process. Now, the final one would be say thank you, make a safe transition. What's that about? This is all about the last and lasting impression. This is that important opportunity to demonstrate caring, express gratitude, and assure a next safe next step. And so let's take this kind of in two different angles. When we're closing out the encounter with the patient, that's really one of the greatest weights that a patient and a family member will remember about their experience, that last impression. And so I really encourage listeners to think about how do I want that patient to remember me? And how often in that last encounter is that person really showing up to express gratitude? Patients do have a choice. Whether or not their insurance requires they go to a a facility in network, out of network, you name it, patients always will make a decision about if they adhere to their treatment, if they come back for their follow-up visit, if they ask for a different phlebotomist based on how they're treated. And so this really honors that we want patients to feel good about their experience. It doesn't mean that we don't have really hard things that we deal with and really heartbreaking news but that closing phrasing that says, I, I saw you and you were important to me. And I'm, I'm really glad I had a chance to participate in your care today. I know we had to share some difficult news. Really just sort of seals up and closes out that successful memory and that, that trust. We also have to be mindful that there are a lot of cracks and crevices in our, our healthcare system. And so making sure that we are providing safe and effective handoffs to other departments, to other caregivers, to consulting physicians, to making sure that the patient follows through with their medication regimen, their follow-up appointments. So we really teach those two skills of owning that last impression and making sure that we have that safe transition. That makes a lot of sense. At the heart of the CARES model seems to be empathy. Before we move on, can you just tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are on empathy and how important it is to all this? To be quite honest with you, Casey, empathy and compassion are at the heart of the entire CARES model. You know, I would ask listeners to really think about a few things. What are some instances where you were able to empathize with somebody and that changed your whole dynamic of how you interacted with them? What are some instances where compassion's made a difference in your life? And where did you really learn about compassion? And what research have you read? And, you know, those questions are not meant to be gotcha questions. They're really meant to say that this is an emerging area. There's some great work done by the authors of Compassionomics. And at the end of the day, I think what we're really recognizing is that empathy is the precursor It's that opportunity for us to say, what are their likely needs and emotions? Because then that's what activates our compassionate response. It allows us to really suspend judgment, 
to see the other person's needs, to allow us to be more agile in our response. And all of that leads to more fulfilling interactions. And building trust. That seems like another important aspect here. Please tell us a little bit more about trust and its impact on avoiding negative outcomes. We say this a lot in our work. Trust is the foundation of all relationships. Patients want to trust us. They want to have confidence in their care with us. One of the real challenges of our work is that we all mean to show up as empathetic and compassionate. And sometimes there are huge gaps in our intent and how we're perceived. I'll give you an example. 80% of hospitalized patients felt that compassionate care is very important to their medical treatment and can make a life or death difference. Yet only about 50% of Americans find the healthcare system or their clinical interactions as compassionate. And so we have a, a performance perception disconnect. There is an emerging body of research that shows when we can empathize with another person, when we can activate a compassionate response, that likelihood of committing a major medical error in the next three months is lower. And when we fail to do that, the likelihood of a medical error is higher. And so this isn't just about being nice. This is about honing emotional intelligence skills that lead to a more empathetic climate and more compassionate interactions. We've been doing a lot of really exciting work around compassionate leadership and, and compassion in action. And what we know is that compassion is contagious. When you experience compassion one-on-one, you're more likely to give it forward. And even when you witness compassion, you're more likely to embody more compassionate responses. And unfortunately, the flip side is true too. And we have got to acknowledge this in healthcare. When we experience or witness incivility, we also carry that forward. And so we've really been focusing on doubling down on growing individuals and organizational responses to empathy and compassion. There's a lot to take in from today's chat. I just want to ask if you have anything else that you think would be beneficial to our listeners to hear about before we wrap up this episode. You know, I think as we're wrapping up our conversation, it's easy to view CARES as an acronym. And in the organizations that we've gotten to work with, it really becomes a a part of the climate of an organization. It's teaching the improvisational skills that create more authentic interpersonal communication with patients and and fellow caregivers and and team members. And the organizations that have adopted CARES have improved quality and safety outcomes. They're retaining more employees. They're growing their patient experience performance results. And it's really about a, a commitment. And it's about how are we looking for the next evolution and and creating more reliable experiences for our patients. Folks, you have been listening to Katie Owens. She is the co-founder and president of the Healthcare Experience Foundation. She's been discussing the CARES framework. For more information on the CARES framework, I would encourage everyone to check out the Healthcare Experience Academy by visiting hxacademy.org. That's hxacademy.org. Thanks again, Katie, for joining us. My pleasure. And for one final word on the CARES framework for patient communication, I want to introduce 
Katie Owens one more time as she previews a six-part course that is now available on the Healthcare Experience Academy. To check that course out and all the courses available in the Healthcare Experience Academy, please visit hxacademy.org. Communication in healthcare can be very challenging. Every patient and family has different communication needs and expectations. At the same time, we have to communicate in a highly emotional, complex environment. Communication misses jeopardize relationships with patients and their loved ones, activates their and our defense mechanisms, negatively impacts quality outcomes, and sometimes we do and say a lot without realizing our impact on others. Communicating successfully with patients and each other is one of the most frequent areas healthcare leaders, staff, and physicians are looking to grow. Delivering care consistently demands meaningful and authentic communication. CARES will give you a framework of key communication skills and behaviors for delivering excellent patient experiences every time. CARES is a methodology for communicating and demonstrating the behaviors that will help you. Organizations that have used CARES have experienced improvements in patient experiences reduce staff turnover, and improve quality outcomes. It works for every level of care in every care setting because it creates a more authentic experience between caregivers and patients. Most importantly, each element of the CARES model begins from a position of empathy. Is empathy the center of your communication with patients? Are your words and behaviors consistent with your intent? What pieces of the CARE skills most resonate with you? CARES will ensure that you are prepared to create the best patient experiences and more rewarding purpose with your patients and each other. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.